0: Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His word being preached. The, the heading, I first had it Hope, as Hope's Door, so you can go on to the next slide. Then I thought, no, you'll see now, it might make no sense whatsoever when you read that. But it says, from anchor to Anchor. And it will make sense as we go through the scripture. Hosea 2.14 to 15 in the ESV, it says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer. Some translations say Sing as in the days of her youth, as at the time when, he, when she came out of the land of Egypt. I'll just pray for us quickly. Yes, Lord, we just thank you for your presence this morning. It's so good. It's so tangible, Lord. Thank you that you're here. Thank you, Lord, that you, want, that you are speaking to us. You want to speak to us. I just agree, Lord, with the words that have come out already, especially around you wanting our hearts, God. You want our hearts you want our hearts, Lord. You want us to surrender our hearts to you continuously, God. So this morning, God, we bring you our hearts. We open our hearts to you, and we just, we just come and listen, Lord, at your feet. This is your word, God. We just come and listen, and, and we're so excited, God, to hear what you have to say. We're so excited to experience you as our Father and to experience your love, your embrace this morning, your encouragement this morning, God your empowerment this morning, God. Thank you, Lord, for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'd like to start around the idea of a surprise. Uh, Everyone loves surprises, some more than others. You get those people that love to surprise everyone and love surprise parties and everything like that. I was thinking back in my life like one of the biggest surprises that I've been witness to was when I proposed to Kara uh, in a game reserve in uh, Natal. In we were standing on a riverbank, we had a picnic, and uh, she had binoculars up and she was looking at this rhino. And, uh, and while she had her binoculars up, I took the opportunity and <laughs> went down on my knee. Uh, <laughs> and when she took the binoculars away, obviously I was there and she got the surprise of her life. Like, <laughs> And, um, I was just thinking now, a very good friend of mine is here, Vannard, and I got a big surprise when he came in. Um, I want to tell you about the, so Hosea, very interesting book, strange book, strange book. It's a book about God taking a man on a journey as a as a prophetic picture for for God's people, for Israel, a man who God has said he must marry this, marry a prostitute, a harlot have children, and then obviously a whole lot of things that he had to do in the course of their marriage, in the course of their life together, just to be a huge prophetic message, not just to Israel then, but to us now. Uh, What's amazing is just in the preceding verses to the one that we read for today, there's three judgments or three therefores that God pronounces over Gomer or over Israel. The first one He speaks about hedging Israel in or hedging Gomer in. He says, therefore, I'll I'll make a hedge. And the hedge, the purpose of the hedge was to kind of, you know, Gomer is out there and she's doing her own thing. And she's just doing whatever she wants to do. And she's rebelling very much. Um, But God is hedging her in. He's kind of, you know, it says that you won't be able to find your lovers. You know, you won't be able to go where you want to go because I'm hedging you in. Yes, sorry. Gomer is the is uh, Hosea's wife, so Gomer is the prostitute that Hosea married. Um, so the first, therefore, is uh, is the hedge. The second, therefore, he pronounces a bit more of a of a serious judgment, and he takes away necessities. So he takes away just her water, her food, her clothing. Uh, it seems harsh, but what he's doing it's it's the love of God, actually just trying to bring him back to, bring her back to himself, okay? So Hosea, uh, he does it through Hosea. So Hosea withdraws financial aid because Hosea is actually, she's living with, uh, with one of her lovers, and Hosea's is actually going to deliver food and deliver water and deliver clothes. He doesn't even, she doesn't even know that it's him. She's thinking that it's her lover that's um, supplying the, the need. And, uh, but actually Hosea is supplying it. And now God says, you know, second, therefore, I will withdraw those necessities. I will hold that back. Why? Because I want it to come back. I want it to come back. So we get to the third, therefore, which is in this scripture. A huge, and as some commentaries call it, a joyous surprise. Because that's not what we expect. If you think about it, there's a bit of a progression. So the first, therefore, is a hedge. Second, therefore, is necessities. Third, therefore, you're expecting the worst. You're expecting, I'm, I'm going to write you off. I'm sorry, but I've given you opportunities and I'm writing you off. It doesn't happen. Scripture says, behold, I will allure her. I will bring her into the wilderness. I will speak tenderly to her. And there I'll give her her vineyards. So Gomer, you can think of I think by the third, therefore, she had a real like almost like a fear of punishment that's about to come. A fear of judgment that's about to come. Because she's, you know, <laughs> and she, yeah. These judgments have come. The third judgment is pronounced, therefore. And I think many times in our lives and my wife and I we prayed about it a bit this week and we just spent some time thinking and praying about it. Fear of punishment I think I think it's a big topic, especially around the, the heart of God, understanding of God. I think even we even sometimes live, you know, in a fear of punishment. We think, you know, i I'm so bad that, that God, you know, He He is right can rightfully punish me but we also live in a fear of punishment. And this morning I, I trust really that, that in God's presence, uh, even maybe in the worship it's already happened, but that God will deliver us from a fear of punishment because that's not God's heart. God loves us. God loves us so much, so, so much. So this is a joyful surprise. It's a joyous surprise. I, it's actually just people are absolutely flummoxed, big English word, Flummoxed is just, you just like don't know what to do with it really. People are flummoxed with God's response here. It really doesn't make any sense. There's no like natural logical progression here. He starts judging, brings judgment, brings it closer to home, and then suddenly he says, You know what? I will allure her. And allure is a very, it actually means I will seduce her. That's how strong the word is. I will bring her into the wilderness. I just think it's a love that does not let us go. This is our God. He wants to win our hearts. It says in that third line, I'll speak tenderly to her. In some translations it says, I'll speak tenderly to her heart. He speaks to our hearts. Speaks to our hearts. God allures. He speaks to our hearts. He gives gifts. Again, doesn't make any sense. There, I will give her her vineyards. And he brings joy and hope. So I, I thought I'd just dig into two little concepts in this scripture that, I, that stood out for me. The one is wilderness. And we, we sang a bit about it. And we've sung about it through the ages, actually. About the desert place or the wilderness. Uh, I love that Matt Redmond song that we sang. It's a very hard song to sing, actually. It's a very strange song. For me as a musician, it's kind of like, you know, and, I, and I've heard people talk about it a lot too, like especially the bridge, you give and take away. You know, I mean, we're just seeing scripture there. We're singing a, a line straight out of the book of Job. Uh, you give and take away, my lo- but my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. And it, and it looks amazing, and we sing it, you know, with all our hearts, but, you know, do we really feel that, that's, that, that line? I don't think so. You know, it's, it's not easy to feel it. It's not easy to go, you know what, yes. No, 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 I do. You know, you do give and take away and my heart will choose and say, you know, it's not that easy. We, we do experience pain. We experience very personal and intense pain. And it's hard. But I mean, in that scripture, I think, in that line even, in the book of Job, the door of hope is there. And we're going to go on and speak about the door of hope a bit later. But wilderness <coughs> I've always loved wilderness as a theme. Uh, it's actually a huge and it's a major theme in the Bible. Um, I have kind of like pretty much seen two major themes of wilderness in the Bible. The one kind of speaks about the wilderness of the world, and there's many scriptures where God actually pronounces a judgment on a city, an established settlement, a city, uh, and actually says, you know, the city will become a wilderness. And for me, I thought about that, and somehow I think the city is a wilderness, actually. And in a way, God is just lifting a veil off the city. Um, God is lifting a mask, if you want to call it that. Uh, I loved what Vanna had to say last weekend. We were talking about it at the office this week. Vanna speaking about masks or just lifting our masks, masks being lifted. I think in a way... When God pronounces a judgment on a city, it says you will become a wilderness. He's just lifting the mask and saying, look, everyone, it's not what you think it is. It's not, you know, people love, I, I'm a city guy. I, I love being outside. I love mountains and sea and all these things. But I do love a busy city. Uh, I had the privilege of living for a year and a half in London. Beautiful, bustling city. Uh, Joburg's a bustling city. But I think there's an allure of the city sometimes that's not real, and that kind of draws us in. And I think God, you know, he, he pronounces, he just lifts the veil, and we can see it for what it is. Then, So there's the world's wilderness, and then I think there's also God's wilderness. And God's wilderness is an incredible place, and God's wilderness You know, I think there's seasons of wilderness, and I think a lot of us can kind of say, you know, I'm I'm in a wilderness season, or it feels like I'm in the desert at the moment. I think there's a wilderness that is with us right through our lives. Uh, We'll just unpack a bit of that now. I think there's also a tension that happens between those two wildernesses, the wilderness of the world and God's wilderness. And we'll... Unpack that also a little bit now. it actually speaks a lot to what has been said this morning already. I'm actually just going to summarize what what God has done in our midst so the world's wilderness and god's wilderness, if we can go to that table, you can see i'm an accountant actually by trade um, okay, so if we go from the top down, just a quick summary it's not exhaustive. Forgive me uh in the world's wilderness. There's a huge statement, be yourself. And I want to focus on the self there. And in God's wilderness, it's about growing. It's about growing and and toughening up a little bit. It's about surviving a little bit. Um, And it's about growing in selflessness, actually. Then the world's wilderness, I'd say safe in in brackets because, or in, what's it called? Inverted commas. Um, because it's not really safe, but there's a sense of safety in the world. Kind of, I think it's maybe the motions that are just happening, you know. So you're safe in your, there's a, there's a bit of a predictability in a way. Um, in God's wilderness, there is an unpredictability, there's an uncontrollable side of it, and there's risk, faith, and great trust. And that's a reality of God's. Uh, kingdom, God's wilderness in, in this uh, specific example. So, yeah, controllable. Again, as the mask is lifted, we realize it's not controllable, but when the mask is on, life in the city, life in the world is controllable. You know, we can, we, you know, we go to the gym, we w- you know, we wake up, we go to the gym, we go to work, we, you know, we go through the motions. Um, advertising tells us things are normal, you know. Advertising tells us it's normal to do this. It's normal to do that. It's, it's, you know, and and it's, if you don't do it, then you're losing a bit of control. You know? You've got to have control. It's, all, it's important. Um, in God's wilderness, again, uncontrollable for a good reason. Then in the world's wilderness, there's punishment. Very, yeah, it's serious. I know many of us have come into touch with that in our world. The world is a broken place. It's, uh, I want to say, dog-eat-dog dog out there. It's, it's serious and it's tough. Business is tough. I'm also a businessman. We've got a coffee business. It's it's not easy. Uh, punishment and slavery. I mean, we can just look, Oh my word, I mean, it's so funny, like, I love William Wilberforce. I love, I love church history and I love great stories of God doing amazing things throughout history. Um, Obviously, William Wilberforce was very incremental in in abolishing the slave trade. There were lots of other men and women also involved in that. But um, how sad is it to think there's still slavery going on today? You know, it isn't abolished. It's not completely done and over. There's a group called A21. They they do a lot of work, uh, especially human trafficking, um, slavery is very much still part of this world, and unfortunately, I think cities are built. It's you know, yeah, you know, it's a big statement to be made, but cities, cities are built on slavery. Cities are built on exploitation of people. Empires are built. In God's wilderness, there's refuge, there's renewal, there's life. As I mentioned earlier. Cities are destroyed or pronounced, there's judgments pronounced on cities. But in God's wilderness, another big English word that I've never seen in my life before, fructified. Okay. Fructified. Uh, I think the scripture is on there, Isaiah 32. I love the scripture, Isaiah 32, 15 to 16. There's so many like this. Until the spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is deemed deemed a forest, then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. Beautiful. And there's so many scriptures. There's one of my favourite devotionals is a devotional called "Streams in the Desert." Don't if anyone knows it. Funnily enough, I discovered it in a desert area. Um, we were on holiday in the Cedarberg, and we were in the middle of nowhere in a farmhouse. And uh, in the lounge of the of the house we were staying in, there was this devotional, like a really old copy, too. So it really felt like a movie in a way, like kind of just set up, you know. Drawn towards the fireplace, there's this book, take it out. Read that day's devotional, and it obviously just spoke to me, you know, the Lord, how he works. <laughs> um, Desert, streams of desert, uh, streams in the desert, water in the wilderness. There's another scripture that speaks about the wilderness becoming Eden again. God is amazing. He's working in our hearts. He's working in our lives. He's making us these well-watered gardens. Those are our lives. Okay. Last two. World's wilderness. There's a strong emphasis on you rely on yourself. Trust yourself, you know, it's all about you, you can do it. In God's wilderness, it's about relying on God. A lot of the guys, uh, we'll read that scripture now, you know, they, when, you, when they were brought out into the wilderness, there was nothing. They had to rely on God. The Israelites, when, they, when God took them out into the wilderness, into the desert, they had to rely on him. He was all they had. What's that saying? It says, you won't know that God is all you need until God is all you have. Very true. In the wilderness, there's trouble. In the world's wilderness. But in God's wilderness, there's peace. There's joy and there's hope. Very interesting statement that the Israelites made when they were in the wilderness. Um, Exodus 14 verse 12 it says, didn't we tell you? And they're speaking to Moses. Leave us alone here in Egypt. We're better off as slaves in Egypt than corpses in the wilderness. Okay. It's a massive statement. We're better off as slaves in Egypt. It doesn't make any sense. But in a way, slaves in Egypt, there was a predictability, at least. As bad as it was, they knew okay tomorrow i'm going to go pile bricks again. Um, it was a hard life, but they they, just, they i don't they obviously didn't know what they were talking about, but many times this is kind of sometimes our lives you know God speaks to us and says give, you know speaks to us and says something to us and calls us out or tells us to go through something to deal with something in our lives, and we go, no no no." You know, Leave me, rather. I think it's better. I'd rather stay a slave. Uh, I'd rather <laughs> it's easier for me uh, than to die in the wilderness. Very hard. Dying. It's the risk. Obviously, God, and in our journey as disciples, uh, we die to self, so we grow. We grow in God. He calls us. He speaks to us. We we learn. We, we die to self. So there is dying in the wilderness. But there's not death, I think, is what they think. They're thinking they're going to die in the wilderness. I think they misunderstand God's wilderness. Okay. God calls us into the wilderness to form us, not to punish us. All right. That's massive. If you feel you're being punished... Or maybe you feel you're being punished in the wilderness like Israel. I just want to say this morning again we've been speaking about the Father. We've been speaking about the love of God. We've seen the surprise response of God towards Gomer, towards Israel. God did not call you into the wilderness to punish you. Okay. He called us called us into the wilderness to form us. Amazing things happen in the wilderness in the Bible testing, repentance, spiritual growth. Jesus went to the wilderness many times. He connected with God in the wilderness. He was tested in the wilderness by the devil. John the Baptist, his whole ministry was in the wilderness. It was a ministry of repentance, calling us back to God. Paul, even in Galatians 1 verse 17, it says that he went to Arabia. A lot of commentaries understand it, that, that he went and spent some time away. So he got saved. He didn't start his ministry straight, straight away. He actually had time to understand God, to spend time with God, to grow personally, knowing God. I loved what Mama Joy said, just about relationship. It all comes down to that. God just wants our hearts. He wants relationship with us. Moses, Jacob, Elijah, they encountered God in the wilderness. Moses, in the, God in the burning bush. Jacob wrestled with God in the wilderness. Sometimes you're going to experience that. You're going to wrestle with him. You're going to have questions, lots of questions. And please, I encourage you to have questions. It's important to have questions. Even if you feel they're dangerous questions, and they might just push you off the tracks. No, God's bigger than that. All right. So ask your questions. God will bring you answers. I love it. I love it. I, yeah, when I was a child, when I was in school, I was one of those kids who never asked questions because I didn't want to, you know, ask the wrong question or seem stupid or seem like kind of, you know, that's a silly question. So I really didn't ask questions. And only later in my life I started asking a lot of questions. And it's almost like a build-up, really, because in the last couple of years it feels like just full of questions. And uh, what I love is God answers those questions, and he wants to answer them. The hardest question he wants to answer, he wants to bring you something as an answer to that question. So bring your questions to God. Wrestle with God over issues, over thoughts, over, over pain. Wrestle with God. Um, Elijah had his most powerful encounter with God in the wilderness. Henny preached on it about two months ago. The whirlwind and just God's presence in front of him or kind of just passing by. Amazing encounters with God in the wilderness. I love Psalm 55. Psalm 55, I could have actually just preached on Psalm 55 because it's exactly the same message just moved around a little bit. Um, David, in Psalm 55, I'm going to skip down to, I don't know what I've got on here for Psalm 55. Further on? Not back. There we go. Okay. For they bring down trouble upon me. Read from the start of Psalm 55 at home. It's really quite quite a, it's, you can see there's trouble here. There's this struggling happening here. <laughs> um, he's experiencing the wilderness of the world. Okay, It's so evident. And in wrath they hate me. My heart is severely pained within me. And the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me. And horror has overwhelmed me. Then he says... It's beautiful. So I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. And it says Salah. Salah is a beautiful word. Uh, In some translations, it's, it's translated, pause in his presence. Just think about that. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and the tempest. So, David is seeking the wilderness in his heart. He's seeking that place where he can be with God and just get away from the wilderness of the world. We're going to move now on to the second point that I'm mulling over in my own mind and heart. Achor. That scripture that said, I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. Okay. The valley of Achor. Why is it called that? Achor means trouble. Okay? It's translated trouble. It's in that valley uh Israel had just defeated or just kind of taken the city of Jericho. Walls had fallen, taken the city. I mean, I think it uh, imagine like you know you've you've done what God has told you to do. You've marched around the city, the walls fell down, and you've taken the city. It's like amazing can imagine the afterglow of that, like just so excited. What happens is a guy named Achan, greedy. or God has said, Don't take any of the spoils. Don't take any of the spoils for yourself of the city. And that's I mean that's quite tempting actually. If you've taken the city, there's a lot of spoils. God has said, Don't take any of the spoils for yourself. Achan takes some of the spoils and hides it. They go and they, the next city that they take is I, And they, they kind of felt, you know, oh, we can take I, We've just had a huge victory. We're going to go for it. And they get defeated at I. Ai. I <laughs> don't think anyone who's not South African will understand that. Oh, yeah. um, God's favor is lifted. God's favor is lifted. His favor is lifted until they do a very serious thing. They uh, Joshua actually has to, well, they get to the bottom of it. Uh, Achan and his family get brought to the front. They get executed. That's very serious. The Old Testament, serious stuff. They get executed. God's favor returns. God's favor returns. So they get buried pretty much in this valley there's a memorial built on top of them, and this memorial in this valley is called the Valley of Achor. So it's a valley of trouble, okay? Now, oh, what's interesting, I love this, that word hope, the door of hope, that word hope actually means accord. And the only other place it's used in the Bible is, uh, is in the story of Rahab. Actually, that's just happened in that, well... In the door of hope, the valley of Achor. So Rahab threw a cord, a red cord, out of the window. And that same word is used as a door of hope. And it's kind of it's starting to push us and point us towards something bigger, a salvation almost. What, what is this hope? Because the question is, how the heck do we make a valley of trouble? or How does God make a valley of trouble a door of hope? How is it possible? How does he do it? Now we're gonna move into some amazing scripture. I love the Bible. The Bible's amazing. I, I can tell you now it's the best place to look for answers. If you've got questions, come to the Word. Come to the Word. Ask the Lord to show you. Valley of Trouble. A door of hope. In John 12, verse 27, Jesus says, Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, for this purpose I came to this hour. In John 13 verse 21 it says when Jesus had said these things he was troubled in his spirit and testified saying most assuredly I say to you one of you will betray me. Jesus. And I really believe God was, was, was kind of with a loudspeaker just declaring something in that scripture in Isaiah. Jesus took our trouble upon himself. Jesus took our trouble upon Himself. In a, in John ten verse nine, incredible scripture that just brings so much perspective. You can go back one. Jesus says, "I am the door. Anyone who enters through me will be saved and will live forever and will go in and out freely and find pasture, spiritual security." I am the door in the passion translation. It says, I am the gateway to enter through me is to experience life, freedom and satisfaction. I love this because what it says about our scripture that we've read this morning is that how he takes a valley of trouble and makes it a door of hope is through Jesus through the gospel. He does it. He takes our hope upon. He takes our trouble upon himself And he gives us a door to hope. He becomes the door of hope. So the door of hope is Jesus. Our hope is Jesus. I love the end of the scripture in Hosea. It says, there she shall answer or sing as in the days of her youth. And as, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. I really see applying the word we're almost done i really see worship and i see time with god connecting with god as that door we're living in the world's world's wilderness we are we live day to day in the world's wilderness all the time We, we live in the world's wilderness but we also live in god's wilderness there's a tension there we know the tension we experience it every day. We can, through Jesus, we've got access to hope. Okay. I just What I experienced, in, especially in that little spontaneous moment of praise, which was amazing, I just really experienced that's the door. That's hope ministering to our hearts. It's only in hope that we can just celebrate and sing, as it says in the Scripture, as in the days of our youth, as in the days when we came out of the land of Egypt. When we connect with God. So obviously God is encouraging us and he says to us, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll allure her, bring her into the wilderness. I'll speak tenderly to her. His heart is to connect with us. His heart is to minister to us, to speak to us, to take us on a journey, to, to walk with us through life. He wants to just, that joy, that hope. He wants that to be just permanent in our lives. Thank God for that door. Thank God for that, that portal into the world beyond that we have with us now. I love, um, I, it's not on the slides, but Psalm 90 is one of my favorite psalms. Uh, it's pretty much, I think it's the only psalm written by Moses. I don't know if you knew that, but he wrote Psalm 90. Uh, there's amazing uh, portions of scripture in that psalm. But I love the message translation of verse 14. And it speaks very much to this scripture. The surprise element. It says, surprise us with your love at daybreak. Surprise us with your love at daybreak. Then we will skip and dance all the day long. I love it. Surprise us with your love at daybreak. God surprises us. Psalm 55 again, right at the end. I never knew, well, I only much later realized where one Peter, I think it's, I can't remember, but cast your burdens or cast your anxieties unto the Lord from Psalm 55. David says, So here's what I've learned through it all. And he's speaking about trouble, he's speaking about wanting to flee to the wilderness. He says, Here, Here's what I've learned through it all leave your cares and anxieties. At the feet of the Lord. And measureless grace will strengthen you. Measureless grace will strengthen you. It's only because of what Jesus has done that we can have hope instead of trouble. Okay. I'm going to end with these last two scriptures that are super powerful declarations by Jesus. John 14 verse 27. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And he says in John sixteen thirty three, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. In this wilderness you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.